Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates, ready to go. Friday edition is here. Sixth and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Alongside Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Chad Withrow is going to check in with us in about 15 minutes. He He's the advanced staff, as we call advanced it. Advanced man. Yeah, advanced man for Outkick the Tailgate. He's already in Jacksonville, Florida for the world's largest cocktail party. Uh, he and Clay had an event last night. Another one coming up tonight. I'll meet him there. And then tomorrow morning, live at 8 o'clock, to get you ready for all of the day's action across college football. Myself, Chad, and Jill Savage. Uh, that will be tomorrow morning. Chad joins us in 15 minutes from Jacksonville. An uh, hour and a half from now, Bobby Carpenter on the show. We will preview all of college football with Outkicks Bobby Carpenter, one of our favorite guests of the week. And then the VolQuest Power Hour kicks off with Brent Hubs of VolQuest.com. That is today at 4 o'clock Central. Paul, hope you're doing well, man. Hello, hello. Unbeaten no more. So I gave you I gave you the uh the idea. Okay, if if Arizona yep. loses on Thursday night football, where would they stack up amongst the best teams in the league? After you saw them fall last night, before we get to the outcome here and and how and how they lost that game. Or would you I mean they're still a top 3 team I, in the yeah. league, right? I said let me see what the Bucks do this yep. weekend. And, and where's Green and Bay and all this? Green Bay did a hell of a job. You know, I I think we talk so much about injuries taking guys out uh, and and how it's disappointing. Yesterday we talked about that. Uh, Adams being out, Lazard, you know, it's not that same yeah. star power, but how we wanted to see these two teams at full strength. <clears throat> and then we get the great story of Green Bay finding a way. We've seen that with the Titans in Nashville, uh, you know, against Buffalo, not at full strength, finding a way. They haven't had Julio Jones most of the season. And, uh, and they're at five and two tied with the best teams in the AFC finding a way. And last night I was watching that game thinking, you know, the injuries suck and you would, if given a choice, you'd rather see teams at full strength. But these stories of teams, good teams with a lesser cast of characters finding a way to win games are pretty damn good, compelling stories too. I don't know that that's what the league would prefer to sell. The league would prefer not to have guys sitting out for COVID or for soft sure, tissue yeah. injuries, or having J.J. Watt blow up his shoulder uh, makes it harder to market and, and all of that, blows up people's fantasy teams. But it creates a different kind of intrigue that still is very compelling. Watching Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers masterfully, and you talked about uh, Jones being a bigger part of the passing game and everything, <clears throat> him executing shorter passes and finding a way. Tanyan gets hurt during that game. Randall and LaFleur Cobb. is very emotional during it. You got your fantasy points out of Randall Cobb. <clears throat> Two Them finding a way to, to win that game, even though it took a really bad play by Arizona at the end, 
made for super compelling football. So it's hard to bitch at the end about the guys who weren't in it because it's a great game that called on a resourcefulness from Green Bay that they wouldn't have needed if they were at full strength. Well, and there's it, it down the stretch of the game. So Green Bay has that long fourth quarter drive. They get down to the goal line, and Arizona has the turnover on downs. I got home last night from Nate Bargatze. Shout out Nate and the the entire crew. Neighbor, great job uh, at the Ryman last night. Nate um, got got home for the fourth quarter and watched it, but it felt like as I was you know packing for the trip and. Green Bay had the ball the entire quarter is what it felt like with that long drive. And they get down. Arizona gets the turnover on downs. Kyler Murray faces a third and long, and they pick up 24 yards on a bullet pass across the middle where no one was around the receiver. Yeah, and I felt like they were in trouble before that yeah. because they were backed third, up and yeah. not looking good. Not and good. then that pass comes out of nowhere. And then they quickly get in the field goal range for the tie, but then drive down, take a timeout with 16 seconds left. Uh, you're thinking, okay, they're going to score a touchdown and win it here and give the ball back to Aaron Rodgers with four seconds left, whatever it was. And then A.J. Green, initially in real time watching this, I thought the way he turned around and looked at the official, I thought he had heard a whistle or thought he heard a whistle and didn't run the route and didn't finish the route. Or for whatever reason, he was trying to block the receiver, but it was a very odd play. Cliff Kingsbury said that A.J. Green, if he knew... The, the proper route to run would not be running the route that he ran. And ultimately it's picked off by a, a, a player that was on the Arizona practice squad earlier in the season. Who's now in the lineup for green Bay in their secondary. Um, yeah. Ju- the, the fact that they got the stop on fourth down, the turnover on downs from green Bay with Rogers wanting to ice it with less than three minutes left or two minutes left, whatever it was to go up by 10. Instead, you get the ball back down three and to drive down and lose that way at home and not not able to go 8-0 for the first time in franchise history. Murray limped off. He looked really Cliff Kingsbury pissed. and the post-game presser looked dejected. I mean, it was a, you, you don't want to lose in the league, but they're 7-1. <laughs> I mean, I you would have like, thought they just fell to like 3-5. and five. I, don't, I, don't, I didn't hear the tone of Murray's post-game comments. I read them. Uh, he didn't seem like he was in a gracious mood. You know, usually... Quarterback lays down for a minute there, bounces up, and immediately turns into the gracious, hey, good game. You know, we, we blew it at the end there. Yep. He didn't look like he transformed into, the, into that at the rate the guys generally do. I think it's an easy loss for the Cardinals to recover from because you say, hey, we botched. You're pissed. You botched that play, and you want to dissect it. But you say, hey, we botched one play. If we execute the play correctly, we win the game. Um. A.J. Green, to me, and I, I don't know the mechanics of this. I'd be curious to have a conversation with Mike Vrabel or somebody like that about it, or, or A.J. Brown or Nick Westbrook-Akina. You know, if you're, if you're run-blocking on that, which is what I felt like he was doing, th- and you wouldn't too. have been running on that play, what was the timeout situation? Uh, I don't think they had one left. So you wouldn't have been or running. If they did, they had one left to set up a field goal, right? Well, you could have run, called the timeout. I don't remember what down it was. But anyway, if you're run blocking in that situation, he's far enough removed yes. from where the run would have occurred that I would have thought he would have peered back. And if you peer back there, even though you're not ready to catch the ball, you're ready to turn into a defender and cause, you know, get an arm up or cause some kind of problem. 
for the defender there where it's not such an easy interception and then the play dynamic changes and maybe you've got a chance. The fact that he never turns his head, <clears throat> I don't know. If you're run blocking in the end zone that far away from the play, are you coached to, to not pay any attention to the play? Uh, may, maybe you are. It seems to me so far away, your natural tendency would be to, to look. Because um, he's deep in the end zone too, so all the running back has to do is touch touch the line with the ball to score. And so I, well, I, I, it was completely weird to me. But think about it from the Arizona perspective. Great win for Green Bay. Awesome win for Green Bay, given their circumstances. From the Arizona perspective, you're down at your uh, you're down at the Green Bay goal line with a chance to just score and win the game. You have AJ Green, who has resurfaced and has been healthy and has been a nice Solid. player for Arizona and Kyler Murray. It's a hot read, which Kingsbury said in the postgame. It was a hot read, and A.J. was the hot player. And on top of that, he's defended in man coverage by a player that was on your practice squad who you know very well, and you love the matchup. And that happens. You know, that, that is worst-case scenario by far. And, I mean, one of those deals where if anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. It, it did on this play. And Kingsbury, here's his quote postgame. Yeah, I mean, we feel like it's a safe throw if Green knew the route to run. It was the right place to go with the ball. Just didn't communicate on some level, and then the guy made a good play. Murray said postgame, I honestly don't know when he was asked what happened. I honestly don't know. Just a miscommunication. I couldn't tell you, but, you know, we just got to be better. He, he, he went on to say he had not talked with A.J. Green yet, but he knew that he was, quote, hot, meaning whatever was at the line of scrimmage, the ball's coming your way. Green didn't talk. Which I don't like. You really like to hear what what he was thinking and what happened there. Let's give them that touchdown. Say AJ Green runs yeah. it right, and it's a relatively easy pitch and catch there for the for the touchdown. Then the story of the day is the overturn of was it Jones' uh, score? Yes. That then turned yep. into the goal line stand by Arizona. Now I don't think he got in. But I don't think there's visual Definitive. evidence there to yeah. overturn it. And you never see never. that overturned. I think the shot that shows him backing in and his butt hitting the ground, I don't think the ball's over there. But there's not definitive evidence that the ball's not over there. I feel so like we've I don't seen more conclusive why. evidence in the past, and they still haven't overturned right. it because it's not conclusive enough. So I'm really surprised that that got overturned. The earlier one, which I think was fourth down, where he, he got – flung right at the goal line I think he definitely the ball touched the goal line there before he was spun around and people were objecting that call I think they got that one right but um I, I don't think he got in but I think if he's called in on the field I think you know 98 out of 100 times that's let stand the way it's called on the field and so I think there was a big objection, and I was very impressed that Arizona then held um, yes. because uh, they had, what, three more chances to get in there, and, and, uh, and Arizona made a great stand after a review took that touchdown away. I have to admit, watching it live, I was only kind of half watching it while I was doing some reading or whatever, and I missed the touchdown being taken off. And the game kept going and going and going and going. I, I, I watched all the way to the end of the game and then rewound all to the way to watch that, rewatch <laughs> that scenario to, to get the whole thing down, to, to see what had happened. Because I looked up, I saw the touchdown, and then I didn't 
I missed the whole review and everything, and I saw them going for it. I was like, oh, that must have got overturned, but how did they overturn it? And I had to go back 20 minutes later to see what happened. Coming up on today's show, Bobby Carpenter will join us. That's coming up at 3.20 Central Time. Uh, We'll get into, it's it's a great weekend of college football. Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, Ole Miss, Auburn, Georgia, Florida, uh, Kentucky, and Mississippi State. Uh, There's a long list of some games that are not even in the top tier of matchups that you should absolutely be paying attention to. Withrow is going to join us. He's got his top 10 games of the week. That's in roughly 10 minutes from now. Uh, When we come back, we go around the NFL. Rapid fire matchups for week eight after last night's win by Green Bay on the road. Uh, Sets up what could be a, a great weekend of NFL football that kicks off on Sunday. It includes the Titans and Colts. And during the Tennessee Power Hour, Paul, you've got some some stats, some numbers, some figures that will give fans some insight on how the Titans continue to go about winning the AFC South, even if they lose this game. And I know you have some odds and percentages based on who wins this game and who ultimately wins the division. I, I think it will surprise people. And I know everybody's expecting a win in Nashville, but should the Titans lose... Um, it's, it's hardly a death knell. Coming up, Chad Withrow joins us from Jacksonville. Top games across the NFL, top games across college football. It's next on Outkick 360. How rare is the win last night for Green Bay against Arizona on Thursday night football? Well, since the current version of Thursday night football came into existence in 2006, Nearly every team that has had to fly two or more time zones has lost on Thursday night. Over the last 15 years, this has happened now 15 times. And the team going west is 1-13 straight up until last night. Green Bay winning on the road in Arizona to hand the Cardinals their first loss. Outkick 360 rolls on. That's a bad number. I mean... I don't know how they can do anything about it, but it's such an advantage. It's crazy. I don't have the other team. I should have looked this up. Um, my guess is it's New England. Yeah, <laughs> but, that's a good. But guess. that would be my that would be my only just lucky guess on, on that. We we say hello to Chad Withrow, who is already in Jacksonville, where we will be tomorrow morning. For Outkick the Tailgate, we go live at eight o'clock Central, nine a.m. Eastern across the Outkick Network. You can follow us on Twitter at Outkick360. You can find the link there live at 8 a.m. Central. Chad, is it sunny in Florida? Because it is not in Middle Tennessee. You know, there's one of my favorite shows, Hutton, called It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which I think is is not actually the case. <laughs> I haven't spent a lot of time in Philadelphia. Right. I, I was told that it's always sunny in Florida, uh, but I can tell you it is not sunny here right now. It's overcast. It's about 65 degrees. It's pleasant. It's nice. And I love that stat you threw out, Hutton. And I will say that I flew over only one time zone, uh, but I will not lose on this trip. I, I will win. Uh, I will win on this trip. That is what's going to happen. So uh, we're, we're looking forward to a great show tomorrow. We are all winners. Georgia and Florida uh, kicking off tomorrow, the world's largest cocktail party in Jacksonville. Uh, before we get to football, we're going to hit some some NFL discussion and look around the league. Um we, we asked the question yesterday in the show. It's our first time being able to ask you live on the air. 
Are you a little tight how about tight? your Atlanta Braves? How tight? How's now the with ha- Houston how are the win game two. I mean, I, I do feel like uh, it's 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 weird because if we were the Dodgers, I love how I'm all of a sudden saying we. I never said we about the Braves before. <laughs> suddenly it's like a we now that we're in the World Series. I'm such a fraud when it comes to that. Uh, but if we were the Dodgers, I will say we again. I would feel a lot more tight, but I feel like the Braves are playing with house money. They had the worst record of any team in the playoffs this year, and here they are on the World Series tied up in one game apiece. So, no, I'm, I am Jock Peterson wearing a pearl necklace right now, boys. I am not tight at all. I am loose, fancy-free, loving life, ready to swing the bat, uh, ready to have an all-rise moment in this World Series uh, every time my Braves are at bat. So I'm not tight at all. We have an outkick event tonight at the City Club, and you better believe the game's going to be on uh, tonight in Jacksonville. Uh, let's go through the the lineup of games for Sunday across the NFL. Great game last night to kick off Week 8. Uh, in no particular order here, some, some solid games. Uh, one of them unlikely to be Miami on the road in Buffalo. Uh, yesterday, Paul, we mentioned Buffalo's next four opponents, the Dolphins, the Jags, the Jets, and the Colts. This, uh, they're coming off a bye week after losing to the Titans. They're about to get back on track in a big way. Yeah, uh, Blake Bettingfield, the former Titans scout who spent an hour with me yesterday in the Tennessee Power Hour breaking down the Titans, still ranks Buffalo as the best team in the, in the AFC. And they'll certainly look pretty good uh, after that month. Certainly, I don't know about the Colts, right? There's still a lot to be determined about the Colts. But the first three teams on that list, uh, pushover, pushover, pushover. Um, yep. Buffalo is trending up. Steelers at the Browns. Uh, coming up, I'll have my upset picks. This is under consideration. Uh, Big Ben is not turning the football over as of late, and the Steelers are back to 500. Meanwhile, the Browns extremely banged up. Baker Mayfield has the torn labrum but also uh, told a reporter or someone this week uh, that he also has a broken bone in his shoulder. Now, what I don't know is if that is a, um, a massive issue or if that's just like a, a nick that comes with a certain injury on the shoulder where, you know, it's kind of like the ankle where you technically you break your leg like Mariota had, but it was an ankle issue as well. I don't know the extent of this, but Chad, he's, he's trying to play. Chad, isn't it weird to hear him talking about that where the upset side would be Pittsburgh, right? Yes. Well, it's also weird to hear uh, any NFL player, especially a quarterback, actively discussing injuries. Yes. I, I mean, the fact that he's talking about it and telling a reporter exactly what it is, it's kind of refreshing to hear an NFL quarterback say that. It's weird, guys, because this game feels like AFC North old guard right now with Pittsburgh and Cleveland, and it's Baltimore and Cincinnati now that we're talking about in that division. And I know this is really just a a kind of a one-year refrain for Cleveland. They're on the right path. They're just – they've been killed by injuries this year. But with Pittsburgh, that's definitely the case. Although it is nice that Pittsburgh does not have to worry about their coach taking the USC job anymore. I know that was a big distraction for them once Carson Palmer said that. So – I'm glad Mike Tomlin left left nothing to be discussed about him possibly leaving. One year good in Cleveland's old guard because Cincinnati's new guard. It's funny. Yeah. It, it's weird. It is. Well, it's just the it's the run game on full display. Najee Harris is back for Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's a uh, playing style thing. Dearnest, uh, the, the running back. Johnson? Maybe Johnson, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Dearnest. I nearly said uh, Ernest Johnson. Uh, Ernest Biner, excuse me. Uh, yeah, so he's he's in the lineup with uh, their running back group, really banged up. But 
did did well last Thursday night on do Thursday you, night guys, football. Guys, do you really do you really even need a last name when your first name is Dearness? No, I mean, you don't. To be fair, I think Hutton like could just say Dearness. We all know who he's talking about. Yes. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Chad. Uh, Rams at Texans, another blowout headed your way. Uh, Cooper Cup, nine touchdown passes already this season. That ties his 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 season high throughout his entire career, and he's done it through seven weeks with Matthew Stafford. The Rams have picked off 10 passes. Tarod Taylor could return this week. He's eligible to return. I'm not so sure that he does in this game. Um, we may see the rookie again, and it could be uh, some ugly things for Houston at home. It's funny to say that Davis Mills has has shown well because they've lost big. Yeah. But he's actually not been bad. Bengals at Jets. We mentioned yesterday, Paul, Big throw Burrow, 17 touchdown passes on the season for an average of 31 yards per touchdown pass. The next best is like half that on some of these bombs. Imagine if the Jets sprung an upset in this game. With uh, Mike how, White at quarterback? How, how much, yeah, it's not happening, but uh, <laughs> uh, how much relief the, the Titans would get for the, for the grief. See? Uh, another good team lost to him also. Chad, you know our rule here. Good teams don't go to New York and lose. The Bengals will show themselves to this either, week one way or the other. To either New York team. I'll take that a step further. Uh, bad teams don't go to New York <laughs> and lose because the Jets are the worst of all the bad teams. Even bad teams are circling that Jets game on the road and saying, well, boys, here's our one win this You're season. Right. The Texans are licking their chops hoping they get to face the New York Jets because that may be a win. For them on the schedule, everyone. And I, I would give the Jets a better chance if Florida basketball head coach Mike White <laughs> was their quarterback in this game. I mean, come on. That, it's going to be a blow. Could it be Flacco? Has there been any talk of that? I guess it could be Flacco, but it's a new regime. He, you know, he was there last, yeah. last year. Different system, though. New staff. Yeah, new staff. They've traded for him. Um, they gave up a fifth or sixth round pick for Flacco. I mean, they... They, they don't want to rush anything. What a great trade by the Eagles because they have... Minshew. They, they had Minshew, who fits their system much better. Uh, Flacco does not fit the, the Sirianni offense with, with what they're running with Jalen Hurts. And they trade him back to the team that didn't want to re-sign him last year to get a, a just a free draft pick for, for all this. It's a, it was a win for, for the Eagles Rare right, at the, right, right at the trade deadline. Falcons hosting the Panthers. What a, what a nice job by Arthur Smith. And what he's done, because this was supposed to be the, the Atlanta Falcons, right where they normally are recently, bottom dwellers of of the the NFL. And in a very competitive NFC, they're at 500. Um, and they have the chance to get above 500 for the first time since 2017. And they're facing a Panthers team that hasn't won without Christian McCaffrey. How can you not pick Atlanta in this yeah, game? I mean, it's two teams heading opposite directions. So unless somebody does something to, to really slam the brakes on the direction they're heading, uh, this feels like uh, it's already in the books. I, I think the, the best sign of Arthur Smith and his influence on this team and what he can do with an offense and how he can tweak things to get the most out of his personnel is what he's done with Cordero Patterson. Cordell Patterson has always been a really talented offensive player without a true home throughout his NFL career. And the way he's utilized him at running back, but continues to utilize sort of his catch-all tendencies 
I think is, is just a testament to Arthur Smith. I mean, he's getting more out of Cordero Patterson than anyone has in the league. And Cordero Patterson's had a nice long career, you know, being Cordero Patterson and doing just a little bit of everything, but not a lot of it. He's able to have that volume now in Atlanta where he's doing more of what he can do. And, and that's a credit to Arthur Smith. He's found a way to use him. Have you found a way to use him on your fantasy team yet? Well, the one week that I played him because of injury, you know, I, I've got a pretty good fantasy team. Still still undefeated. Unbeaten. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, because of buys, I used him in, uh, last week. And it was the one week he didn't do much. So every other week, he's crushing it for me on my fantasy bench. But the one week I had to play him, he was forced into action. I didn't get a lot of production. I feel like injuries. But the, but the I, feel, I feel like injuries are coming for you. He's, well, he's, I've already lost my quarterback, so and that that has not slowed me down. So bring it on. Bring how it many? On. I don't know the number. How many returners in today's NFL are teams avoiding kicking to? That Cordero Patterson, you don't kick him the football. You you they do anything they can to kick it. They'll kick it out of bounds and take a penalty before they will allow Cordero Patterson to return a kickoff, if at all possible, based on the 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 time of the game. I don't know, Paul, if there's are there three returners in the league today that you wouldn't want the ball in their hands in the open field on a kickoff return? Oh, yeah, it's a good question. I could get the leaders here in front of me, but I, I have to say, I mean, when you're watching highlights from around the league, how often do you see a return highlight? Yeah, a, you don't. But, but a lot of times it's just a touchback, but on, on other times, it, when you watch Atlanta Shipping and whoever they're playing, the kicker is terrified of Patterson on kickoff returns. But more often, you're, uh, and this doesn't make the highlight real, you're seeing teams kick it short, dare people to come out, and dry, average yeah. drive starts are 22, 23, 24, short of the 25. 49ers at the Bears. Uh, Jimmy G is from Chicago, from the area. He returns home. Uh, Matt Nagy has missed all week due to COVID protocol. And here are the Bears limping back with Justin Fields at quarterback who threw three interceptions and lost two fumbles a week ago against Tampa. And now they're without Khalil Mack defensively. Uh, 49ers on the road with a chance to rebound after Sunday Night Football's loss. Buccaneers, by the way, on the road in New Orleans where Alvin Kamara is going to try to keep up with Tom Brady and the Bucs offense. Bleedy Ray Wilson's name surfaced on the, on the wire this week. He has been protected... By the Tampa Bay practice squad this week, Paul. Well, you don't want anybody to take Bleeding Ray Wilson away from you. <laughs> the, they, the reason they protected him, I looked up their roster. Thin corner, oh, apparently. They, they have lost. They've already lost uh, Sean Murphy Bunting and Carlton Davis on IR. Those were their two opening day starters at corner. And then Richard Sherman was signed in, what, week three? And he's now hurt. Um, he's got a hamstring issue, so he's not back anytime soon. So, Bleedy Ray Wilson, next man up. Protection. Scary. I, Protection. I mean, that guy's had an incredibly long career considering how terrible he is. Is he so bad that Sean Payton will allow Jameis Winston to let it rip this week? Against him, he absolutely should. <laughs> I mean, this guy <laughs> let Andy Dalton, as a receiver, rip right a ball there. away from him and walk into the end zone. Is, no, no, is, no, not just rip a ball away from him. They threw back to Andy Dalton, who was an eligible receiver, and Bleedy Ray Wilson had a kill shot on the quarterback. Missed the kill shot, missed uh, the interception. Oh, just like, just let him run right by him. Like he didn't, he, he thought it was like a trick play that wasn't legal in the NFL. Like he had never seen a, a wide receiver 
motion to the outside and catch a pass. He made Andy Dalton look like uh, A.J. Brown, a healthy A.J. Brown. Guys, is is practice squad protected the best, worst designation in all of sports that a player can receive? Well, it's like... uh, It might be, Chad. Yeah, it's up there. Because you're not, you're not given the option to join another roster. You're, you're not good enough to be on an NFL roster, an actual roster. But what you are is you're the best of this practice squad, and we must protect our practices for this organization. So you are now practice squad protected. That well, you're probably like getting called up on that. Sunday. Yeah, you're probably getting called. You're probably up getting called Sunday. up, so you get one eighteenth of the of the salary. And even if you don't, he's probably making around nine thousand dollars this week. So it's not a bad week for Bleedy Ray Wilson, Chad. Oh, it'll be a bad week for Bleedy yeah, Ray bad Wilson. Will. Not in the pocket, but financially, it'll be a good week. That's right. Uh, let's just roll through a couple more uh, Patriots at Chargers. I'm intrigued by this because Mac Jones has played well at home and not great on the road. The Chargers coming off a bye week after. Uh, losing in terrible fashion to Baltimore. Uh, We we saw the Patriots blow out the Dolphins, or excuse me, the Jets last week. I think the Chargers are about to do the same thing in New England. Could be dead wrong here. Uh, I I looked at this game for my upset picks and stayed away from it because I think L.A. is going to prove a point uh, after they were blasted last year by New England. Cowboys and Vikings on Sunday night football. FanDuel's got a great offer for you on that. We'll tell you about later. Uh, Cowboys are 22 and 10 coming off a bye. The Vikings are 20 and 12 coming off a bye week. And Monday Night Football, Giants at Chiefs. Here's the big question for both of you, and then we get to college football. How do we think the Chiefs respond from last week's 27 3 loss here in Nashville and the fact that everyone's talking about they're not the team anymore? They're not the crowning achievement of the AFC. They're barely, if, if, if at all, going to make the postseason. Meanwhile, here's New York and the Giants with Daniel Jones actually playing some good football. I think this is the tell-all game. Like, the, the Giants should be good medicine. The Giants should be good medicine for the Chiefs. If the Chiefs, uh, I, I would say, not only beat, can't not only beat the Giants, but look good beating the Giants, be themselves beating the Giants, then I think the death knells for the Chiefs are fair. Uh, they need to come out, look good, get back to themselves. Chad, do you agree? Yeah, I'm with Paul, and I think that they come back and play well, and it is a good matchup, and it is the team you want to see this week uh, after that beatdown in Nashville last week. So I think they bounce back. I think they play well. I think they win pretty easily. But I'm also with Paul that if they don't, uh, every fear that we had about the Chiefs and what they may be this year, which is really average to below or maybe even worse than that, it's true if they don't come out and, and smack the Giants. Some great games across college football. Last week, Chad had to really study and figure out, who do I put in my bottom 10 here? Like the, the one through five was fairly easy to figure out. And then it was just kind of flip a coin on six through 10 for his top 10 games of the week. This was more difficult, maybe more difficult, because there were so many contenders for top 10 games of the week, Chad. Let's start at the bottom and work our way up to the top game. And Seizure at, warning. Seizure at number warning. 10, Louisville on the road against NC State. I don't know where to find a- the ACC network, although I will tell you it kicks off at 7.30 Eastern. Let me take you through my process a little bit here. Every week, I just start with the early games on Saturday and go straight through. This is not a Thursday, Friday list. This is always a Saturday games of the week list. 
And I start going through and I just mark the games that immediately jump out to me. And then I go back and, and, and sort through them and decide, you know, which uh, w- which games are, are worthy of the top ones. Last week, I marked four games. That was it. Four games that I thought were worthy and had to go in and fill in six more somehow. This week, Hutton, I had nine games as no-brainers in my top games of the week. The 10th game was a little bit of a struggle. That's why we get Louisville and NC State. That's why you have an ACC network game uh, on this list. Because while this is a good matchup, it's not great. But it starts to get really good after that. Virginia at BYU. We had Wake Forest Army a week ago as a very strange, you know, mid to late October out-of-conference matchup. This is another one uh, with Virginia and BYU. Uh, You've got North Carolina, Notre Dame. Two disappointing teams, really, this year so far. North Carolina more so than Notre Dame. Uh, but Sam Howell and, and, and North Carolina a chance to get it on track a little bit. SMU at Houston. SMU quietly has done very well uh, this year, and they've got a big test with Dana Holgerson and his offense at Houston. And then Texas at Baylor. You know what? What a what an up and down roller coaster it's been for Texas and Steve Sarkeesian in year one. The moment we buried them after the blowout loss at Arkansas, they bounce back with two blowouts. They look great for a half against Oklahoma. They give up a big lead. They lose to the Sooners. Now they go face Dave Aranda's team uh, at uh, noon Eastern on ABC. So those are games 10 through 6. SMU Houston, first one to 50 on that uh, that game tomorrow night. I looked that up, Paul. That's a great one because both average around 45 points a game. Uh, Top five, Chad, and we head to the SEC. I cannot wait. Uh, This sounds so crazy. In week eight. I cannot wait to watch Kentucky-Mississippi State on SEC Network tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, it's a one-and-a-half-point line in this game for a reason. I'm with you, but I am excited about Kentucky-Mississippi State. Uh, That game is at uh, 6 o'clock Central on SEC Network. It's a big week in the Big Ten. You know, there's no way around it. We're we're seeing all SEC and Big Ten here in in the top five. Penn State-Ohio State, this game's a lot bigger if – Penn State doesn't wet the bed yeah. a week ago at home against Illinois, but it's still a huge game. And I think that I think Penn State's going to bounce back and, and play well in this game. I think Ohio State wins, but I think it's going to be a really good game. Georgia, Florida, I think that line now is at 13. Um, that may actually surprise people. Uh, I know Paul's going to laugh at that, but that yes. may be a little closer line than most expect with Georgia and the way they've been playing. And then Florida, now keep in mind, Florida, you know, they lost to LSU. But they put in Anthony Richardson, their young phenom quarterback, and they got it going on offense, and they lost in a shootout to LSU. And they've had an extra week to prepare for Georgia, getting ready for this cocktail party game. Uh, Ole Miss at Auburn. Hutton, I kind of went back and forth on which one was better between Ole Miss and Auburn and Kentucky and Mississippi State. You probably could have flip-flopped two and five. That's how good this top five list is this week. Uh, But I I really like the implications in that game and the fact that Auburn's a favorite in that game probably surprises many. And then the biggest game of the week, Michigan at Michigan State. Uh, Mel Tucker and his viability for one of these huge jobs. You know, USC, LSU is getting a lot more talk than USC. Uh, Winning just one of these games against these unbeaten Big Ten teams or one loss Big Ten teams left on his schedule could cement his place to get one of those jobs. Mel Tucker is not averse to leaving a job quickly He coached at Colorado for one year and bolted for Michigan State. He's been at Michigan State for two years. He could very easily uh, leave for LSU if that was an opportunity. And then for Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, 
Look, everybody's talking about Michigan as a pleasant surprise, and they have been. They are undefeated. If Jim Harbaugh doesn't win some of these games against Michigan State, Penn State, play close with Ohio State, he's still not completely safe at this point, even though he's undefeated this late in the season. This is the first huge test for both of them. It's the big noon kickoff game on Fox, Michigan at Michigan State. Looking forward to all these, though. Absolutely. Congratulations on getting background music for that. That's awesome. SMU at Houston, uh, Hutton's going to jump all over this. Over, under, only 61 and a half with SMU getting half now, a point. Houston's defense only allows, on average, about 25 points a game. So th- that might be part of it. But I uh, – feel a shootout. Oh, they, they, these guys score. I, I think this is a very high-scoring game. Chad, I don't know how you feel about that. I immediately rushed to try to bet the over on that game on my FanDuel app. And I don't know if you guys can oh, see that. Okay. <laughs> not, yeah, not in a betting state. You can't do that up. in Florida yet. You're handcuffed, buddy. Forgot that I'm in Florida. So uh, you guys double down on me for that one. All right. Go ahead and bet got twice you. if you would. I, got I'm you. taking the over. Paul, you can you can bet for me on that one. Take the over in that game. All right. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Although that that's an over-under uh where I, I raise an eyebrow to it, Chad. You know, it's kind of like you say, uh, oh, yeah. Georgia, Georgia, Florida dropped to 13. It's now back to 14 and a half, which sounds better. You know, that uh, you're not confused by that spread like you would be a 13-point spread, at least for me. That, at that point and a half matters when I evaluate that game. Um, but the, the over-under in SMU-Houston makes me think, what does Vegas know? Who's not playing? Who do they know? Don't bet I, well, it. I thought there are a you know, it was funny because uh, it reminds me of Ole Miss and Tennessee. Remember how all yeah. week, like, oh, yeah. boy, just the first one to 50 in this game, and then it's, uh, what, 31 to 26 with the final, well below the over-under in that game, which was somewhere in the low 80s, I think. So, yeah, that that's typically the way it works in Vegas. Chad, um, I will uh, be meeting you at the City Club for a nice event this evening. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to uh, watching some ball, uh, some, some Braves and Astros. And uh, then tomorrow morning, I'll kick the tailgate. See you there. Yeah, the River Club is where we're going to be tonight. Uh, River Club. It's, uh, it's somewhere in the Wells Fargo building. Paul's a big Jacksonville guy, so I'm sure he's very familiar uh, with I know downtown. the Wells Fargo building. It's a, it's a large building. Give me a, uh, a detailed update on that text we were talking about last night, please. <laughs> we'll give you a detailed, yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that update, and I'll give you a detailed update on um, the clientele at the very exclusive River Club. That we'll text, tonight, that text by the way. Private membership only facility uh, tonight. Yet they're the letting you guys in. So, I mean, how, can they, the claim, how can they claim that? We've got the code. Huge mistake. Huge my, mistake. My sports code is right behind me, gentlemen. I've got to get it on. <laughs> I'm about to go business cash the rest of the day. Enjoy. By the way, that, that text that, that Paul is referencing is just a, a simple two-word question. You up? That's what <laughs> yeah, he sent Chad last night. That's what I sent Chad last night. Paul, the answer is yes. <laughs> it's always yes. See you, Chad. Have fun. See you, boys. Coming up, John Gruden sent some emails that surfaced a couple of weeks ago uh, that were terrible. But he also was talking about one man named Roger Goodell in one of those emails. Both Gruden and Goodell are cashing checks this week. We'll explain next on Outkick 360. I'll kick the tailgate. We'll be live in Jacksonville tomorrow morning. You can join us uh, on social media and weigh in on some of the, the poll questions that we throw out there on Fridays that we then 
react to on Saturday. Uh, one of those questions, most pleasant Power 5 surprise. Your options, Michigan State, Wake Forest, Kentucky, and Pittsburgh. Again, most pleasant Power 5 surprise. I think Michigan State will run away with it uh, with their matchup tomorrow against Michigan. They're going to be top of mind. I'm, I'm here to say Kentucky deserves a lot of uh, thought with this answer. Wake Forest as well, although no one's watched them play really, Dave Clawson's group. Uh, and Pitt continues to be impressive and, and impressive and definitive with their win last week against Clemson. Those are your four options. Most pleasant Power 5 surprise. You can go weigh in now on Twitter at Outkick360 is where you can lay your vote. Roger Goodell and John Gruden both had stories surfaced this week uh, over the last 48 hours where they're both getting paid. Now, Gruden was going to get paid one way or the other because he was getting paid $10 million a season to be the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. News coming out this week that he has reached a settlement, an agreement uh, with the Raiders and Mark Davis on whatever it might be. It, the reason I bring up, it, it's undisclosed, the amount on the settlement. The reason I bring this up is this is another huge advantage for college coaches versus NFL coaches. There's a buyout clause in college contracts that you don't see and near near to the amount at the NFL level. Even Gruden is settling on a contract where he had seven years remaining at $10 million per. Uh, meanwhile, uh, no need for a buyout with Roger Goodell. The, the owners happily bonus him whenever possible, Paul. So he made uh, an average of $60 million over the last two years, $124 million. Uh, Jerry Jones spearheaded in his last contract, in Goodell's last contract, an effort not to pay him kind of a base salary, but more a bonus-structured salary based on TV deals and CBA. I wonder if he regrets that now or if he thinks it's the way to go because out of those TV deals and the CBA, he's making 124 million dollars over the last two years and I can't imagine that if he had gotten a base salary deal it would have been 124 million dollars over the last two years if so they wound up paying him more now they incentivized him much? but his job is to get uh, what are two of the main things of his job negotiating a good CBA C and negotiating TV good TV well, deals I mean those are two of the top three or four things on his on his to-do list. We, we know that the NFL umbrella, they have a lot of attorneys that work for them, right? How much of the negotiating is Goodell actually doing? Vers yeah. versus Jeff Pash is, is yeah. there. No, I mean, he's the oversight so, Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The guidance. He's, he's getting bonus. He's the CEO, right? Uh, for lack of a better way to but say he's that. He's not necessarily rolling up his sleeves and doing the, the negotiating. They're bringing stuff back to him. Uh, you're right. I mean, but I mean, you know, on, on the buck much, stops here and all, yeah, all yeah. of that. Well, it's it's no different than a general manager. You know, John Robinson isn't negotiating. The Vin Marino's doing the numbers, right? He's he's diving into the exact minutia of of the contract. Um, I, I say all that to say the bonus looks massive, and that's a lot of money for a commissioner over two years. I will say he's worth every penny for that league because because. The one hundred twenty-four million yep. over two years. 
that's not even half of what every team will make per season off of this new television agreement. They're going to get $300 million and a little bit more than that per season just for having their games on television. Again, though, maybe I'm naive. I I think that any great CEO type in the entertainment industry is going to get a massive TV deal for the best TV property there is. So I don't know how hard it is. And with Gruden... I think when you get him to quit, what are you just saying? Hey, like, we're going to work this out. You quit so it looks better than me firing you. The key with the NFL television contract, though, is they have a mega deal with literally every mega network. network. No one else can point to that for sure. Big headline straight ahead on OutKick 360. Then Bobby Carpenter.